0: Greetings and salutations Gopher for fans. Uh, the voice you're hearing is once again uh, JD Mill. I apologize again for all the stuttering that you'll hear tonight. But uh, our good friend Jeffrick has two young children who are under the weather with pneumonia. So, uh, so uh, certainly prayers up for Jeffrick and the uh, and the family there as they go through some recovery, uh, tonight on the, uh, taking all wrong podcast. However, we are a foursome. Uh, we have found somebody who, uh, certainly we can't replace Jeffrey, but somebody that we think will, uh, bring something new to the podcast. So we'll start out with the, uh, the regular players. Uh, the first voice you're going to hear is, uh, the, uh, we'll call you the, uh, author, the editor, the, and uh, co-owner and co-founder of StillGotHope.com. It's Mr. Frothy Gopher. It's good to be with you again. I don't know that I've posted
1: any new content uh, other than our our, uh, our our new member here, uh, who we'll get to in a second, uh, since our last podcast. So the content, uh, both on audio and in the written form, is really just coming fast and, and heavy from from your guy here so uh but it's going to be back and talking go for sports again
0: well but uh the, i mean the website exists right content or not it still exists i think
1: we've made yeah we, we're continuing to make payments for the for the hosting that that hasn't stopped yet but who knows right, we'll, I, we'll, I stand we'll, by my introduction we, we, then all right perfect good
0: all right uh next up uh another one of our uh, regulars here uh, former recruiting guru from some website I don't remember. I don't have it all in front of me. Uh, now he just drives around uh, Prior Lake and doesn't know the names of any players on the opposing team, Mr. Matt O'Connell.
2: Uh, good evening, gentlemen. I will likely not be driving around today. I think I'm relatively stationary, and um, I continue to not know any names of anyone that the Gopher football team is playing this weekend. So oh, fantastic. I'm glad that we're stable
0: perfect welcome in and last but certainly not least uh you have seen his uh, his musings on gopher basketball on the uh, previously mentioned still gothope.com it's mr west coast jack how are you sir
3: good evening i'm doing great jd thanks for having me on you know i uh rode frothy's coattails onto still got hope now i'm riding frothy's coattails onto your fantastic podcast so as long as i can keep following him around in life i, I guess i'm doing okay
0: there's yeah. definitely worse people to uh, follow around don't don't
1: ride my coattails into heroin addiction jack
3: <laughs> noted
0: all right well we're gonna we're gonna chat uh, both gopher football and gopher basketball tonight and we'll go ahead and start out um, as Frothy mentioned, have not had uh, any content uh, since before the final game of the football season. Um, I'll tell you guys, I I have made, I'm going to just guess, probably eight or nine attempts this week to sit down and try to write something about the season or about the football team. And it's just, uh, there's just a depression. There's just a haze. I can only get about... A paragraph, maybe a paragraph and a half into anything, and uh, I just I can't find anything to say that I feel is worthwhile. Um, So let's just chat a little bit about the season as a whole. Um, Let's not focus on any one game specifically. Let's not focus on that final game, and uh, just talk. Give give some general thoughts on how you felt the season went. Um, let's say, let's do this. Give uh, one positive uh, that you took away from the 2017 football season, and uh, we're gonna, we'll start with Frothy. Yeah, um, I think
1: the. I'm going to start here a little bit tongue in cheek and say I'm, I'm 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 I think the positive is that the season's over, <laughs> and that no one suffered uh, any catastrophic injury such that they can never play football again.
2: Um, well, it, well um, oops you want to you want to rethink that? <clears throat> cool, uh, didn't we lose a, didn't we lose an offensive tackle to uh, to concussion?
1: Yeah, but that, see that was a series of injuries, Matt. I'm talking about How like you know every one on the team not. is still capable of, capable of walking and you know hopefully you know breathing outside of an iron lung. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I think. <clears throat> It uh, This was a tough season, and I'm actually kind of relieved that the season is over. I think going into it, we knew it was going to be a hard one because of the deficiencies that were left on the team at every offensive position other than running back and at you know, every defensive position you know, other than defensive tackle and linebacker. So I wasn't expecting anything you know, too you know, outrageously good. I think I had us pegged to win five or six games, which you know, is where we ended up. You know, So be it. I think as the season went on, though, and <clears throat> the quarterback play was just so horrific, it, it, it became virtually unwatchable. And the Nebraska game was great. The Nebraska game was fun. But the way the season ended, uh, the last two weeks where we didn't score a point, and I think we gave up to 70-some points, it was just not enjoyable to watch anymore. I don't generally leave games early. Uh, sometimes I'll sneak out just a moment or two ahead if we're if we're losing. I left at halftime of the last game of the season because it just we were surrounded by fans of the opposing team. Uh, we I think had like sixteen yards of offense or something like that. And it's just not it's just not enjoyable. So I think. Yeah, I, I'm excited to to think about the future because I think there's virtually nowhere to go but up, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that Fleck and his coaches are going to be able to in, in, install an offense here that, that that's going to be pretty dynamic and exciting to watch. We saw bits of that, I think, and, and you know we were severely limited by the fact that we only really had one Big Ten quality receiver uh, on the team, and uh, you know no, no no Big Ten quality quarterbacks. So I think with an infusion of new talent that we'll get to in a little bit, uh, I think we're going to start to see uh, a difference beginning ne- next year, even and certainly in the the 2019 and 2020 seasons. But yeah, this was a this was a painful season, and uh, I'm glad it's over. I, I'm not really all that depressed about it, but certainly the way that it ended didn't exactly uh, lend itself to you know, you know getting home and immediately opening up the computer and, and, and pumping out fresh content.
0: How about you, Matt?
2: uh you know I'm kind of with you guys you know I've tried several times because to to you know to follow up my really one great article that I had there on still got hope and I just I've had I've had a problem working up any type of either a feeling at all about the football season I mean it was bad so but it ended in such a depressing manner that uh I just all I can do is look forward and look to the future. But the one positive that I have to look forward to is that PJ Fleck is our coach. And and I honestly mean that Um, a year ago, I was, despite a, you know, a nine win season, I was pretty down on the future of gopher football. I had no faith that Tracy Clays could take this team anywhere. Um, Nine wins with that team did nothing for me. Um, And I was thinking, you know, just over a year ago, that we were stuck with that we were going to be we were going to miss out on our opportunity to go out and hire a great coach and um and thankfully things turned around i mean i don't like why they turned around what they did and we ended up with an athletic director who i think went out and made a great hire and now we get to see what pj flett can do this year uh, you know people don't like that year zero uh saying but it's true most of these guys, I mean, how many how many guys that he brought in did he play? Maybe three or four? Um, you know, now he gets a chance with a full recruiting cycle to bring in his guys. We'll see what they can do. They've got a quarterback coming in who looks like he could be really exciting. And it's not a high school quarterback. I mean, this is a kid who at least has played a little bit at a higher level. Um, so my positive on the season is that we've got the guy in place. And and now we can build on that. We don't have to wait and and cross our fingers and hope that Tracy Clays and his guys come up with some really great, you know, under the radar recruits that we snatched away from Southern Mississippi and, and NDSU at the last minute. And we've got a guy who can go out and, and get some high end recruits and get some guys in here that can play and can build his system. So yeah. that's my positive is that PJ Fleck is here and we don't have to worry about A, him being snatched away or B. Uh, you know, getting into some bidding war for him because we've now decided to fire Tracy Clays.
0: That's a, that's a good positive because of the four people that are on this podcast, I know for a fact that three of us uh, were very serious about not renewing season tickets if the status quo was kept and the fourth person on this podcast doesn't have season tickets. So, um, <laughs> a full 100% of us uh, were we're ready to uh, to not move on with season tickets with this team. So, uh, West Coast Jack, how about you, sir? What uh, give us a little bit of an overview on the season and maybe a positive that you took away?
3: Yeah, definitely. So Matt started to hit on one of my points, which is just the energy and enthusiasm overall surrounding the program. And I, I'm a relentless optimist. I always believe that you know this is the coach that's going to work out and get the job done and get us to the Rose Bowl until it's incredibly evident that. They're not. And case in point is I actually took a last minute red eye flight to Madison last year in 2016 because I somehow still had hope. Uh, visit still uh, that we would somehow break the streak, pull off a big win over the Badgers. And, you know, Tracy Clays could show us that um, he could, you know, get the job done. After watching Mitch throw four second half ints, we don't have to dwell on that, but the the entire scandal afterwards, I was just as down on the program as, as any of you guys or as anyone. And so seeing this year, just the positive energy, the positive enthusiasm, everything from what goes on in the 10, 15 minutes leading up to the game to all the PR efforts, you know, behind and in front of the scenes. That's a big deal when you're thinking about you know building a program and attracting top talent, which I know we'll we'll talk to in a minute here. Um, so that was huge for me. And then the other thing I'd say is just play calling and spurts. I think our offense was still really boring at times. We clearly didn't have the playmakers we wanted, but there were times where you saw glimpses of what this offense could look like, and it was really exciting. The one, I always go back to that. I think you guys have talked about on this podcast is there was a fourth and short against Iowa, and PJ made the right call to go for it early in the game. We were in the red zone, and then made just a perfect play call with sort of a RPO slash, you know, play fake play action from Demry right to a wide open Waz and sailed it about 20 feet over his head. But that's a clear instance of. These guys know what they want to do from an offensive scheme perspective. They're decisive, and you could see some glimpses, granted, sometimes few and far between, but glimpses this year of what this offense could look like when when we get P.J.'s guys in there, and that's exciting.
0: That's a a great one, and and mine was actually going to be um, on the defensive side of the ball and very very similar to what Jack had to say, which is, you know, you, you... Despite the fact that this defense was pretty short-handed, we talked about it going into the season, not a lot of depth on the line. Um, we knew we were going to have troubles in the secondary. Um, that obviously came to fruition with Winfield being hurt and just uh, the suspensions and, and all those kind of things. But you definitely did see at times during the season that this is going to be a scheme that, that we can work with. They're figuring out ways to use the personnel and there were, there were times where our defense was very good. Um, So I think, I think those are some good takeaways. I mean, that's a good mix, right. Of we talked about offense and defense. We talked about um, some bigger schemes. Uh, I think the next thing that we can talk about goes into our next topic, which is recruiting. And, you know, we're not uh, super recruiting gurus here on the top pod or at, at still got hope. Um, But I think it's pretty evident by, What's going on with recruiting, Uh, if you follow or if you're on any of the message boards or if you follow Twitter, Ryan Burns on Twitter, Kyle Goldrich on Twitter, um, if you follow those guys, you can see something really good is happening in recruiting. And, uh, you know, we've got some some good players coming in. Um, So I'd like to start out with you, Matt. Just talk a little bit about some of, you know, you've got a, a background in this. But based on kind of what you're seeing, uh, what you're hearing about different recruits and things like that, just give us kind of an overview of kind of what you think this recruiting class looks like and maybe what the difference is with the
2: staff. I'll, I'll tell you the biggest thing is I, I think both staffs, you know, going back to Kill's staff, they both do a good job of, I don't think anybody can deny that Kill's job, staff did a really good job of, of finding talent um, that maybe was a little under the radar and that other teams noticed later on. And I think this staff uh, does some of that the same. But what I'm seeing a difference in is is that uh, Fleck and his staff can hold on to these guys. And then they can add to it instead of adding to it with guys who they're sniping last minute from a Mac school. I mean, they look like they're about to pick up a kid, an offensive lineman. Um, from one of the the true foot, high school football factor in the country, an IMG, uh, who they got to decommit from Florida. I mean, that's you know, when's the last time you heard that? And this is a kid who could go to any number of schools, and they went out and got this you know JUCO quarterback who is uh, you know I mean JUCO quarterbacks and and JUCO players in general um, are tougher to rank based on. Their offers just because you don't necessarily teams don't necessarily need them, so they may not have uh, as many offers. But this kid, you know, based on everything on his numbers, on his film, on, on what people think about him, where he's ranked, is uh, is a high end football player. Um, so they've just done a fantastic job of of identifying the guys that they want, getting them to say yes, and then keeping them. I mean, the only guy they've lost that they that they wanted. And couldn't keep. So far, as this Mayfield kid, uh, the offensive lineman out of Michigan, who decommitted pretty early and went uh, and ended up s- is going to sign with uh, with the Wolverines. So, um, other than that, they've done a great job, and I think that's the biggest difference: is they find the guys and they find a way to hold on to them. And the way they're bringing them in this week, all of them together. I mean, they're going to have what thirty four is the kind of rumor uh all of the all of the commits with the exception of one in together is is genius. I mean right. this is the kind of next level, high level thinking that that not only his is PJ Fleck bringing to Minnesota, I mean this is revolutionary for college football. Right. I mean and Steve Wiltfong, who is big time, you know, I mean he's been around the recruiting game for a long, long time. When he's writing articles, you know, the national recruiting editor for for twenty four seven is writing articles saying yeah holy crap, look what PJ is doing, uh, that says something. And that's what I find exciting.
0: Right. And I think one thing that's been cool is, and, and I, don't, I guess I don't follow recruiting close enough. Uh, I don't follow recruits. Uh, I don't tweet at recruits. Nobody listening to this podcast what? should ever tweet at recruits. Um, but one of the things that I think has been cool is it seems like there's some recruiting going on amongst the recruits. They're, they're trying to get people to come to Minnesota. I don't know if we've seen – uh, that at least to, to this level. Uh, Jack, give us a couple thoughts if you want to on uh, on recruiting.
3: Yeah, so what's really exciting to me about this class in particular is I just talked about Fleck needing sort of some of his guys and some of his playmakers to really make the offense run and motor the way it's supposed to. Well, uh, hop over to our friends at 247 Sports and look at the composite. Our best recruit is a wide receiver who, oh, by the way, just got bumped to four-star status today, so that's awesome. Our second best recruit, uh, Matt touched on, is a dual-threat JUCO quarterback who can come in and and play right away. And if you believe some rumors and Twitter gossip, there's a certain Craig Squirrel Williams, who's also a very highly rated running back, wide receiver, positionless playmaker athlete who may be visiting this weekend and so the knowledge of what are we lacking what gaps do we have to fill to make this team great and then going out and aggressively attacking those and not just attacking but landing them as some of the gems of the class is is huge for me
0: nice yep frothy i know you've uh you kind of mentioned that your spark for recruiting has been rekindled this year talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on, on what's going on and take yourself off mute if you would
2: demute kid
1: I'd, I'd already I'd already said about 17 minutes worth of stuff there <laughs> and uh, now it's now it's lost to the to the ether now you know I think and this isn't it'll probably come across this way but it, it really isn't meant to uh, disparage the, the the previous staff in terms of, of their recruiting. But you know, I think they they had uh, a sort of a particular way of, of, of going about doing things, and if you think on what the brand of the Kill Clay's era was, it, it, it really uh, was sort of built around almost a blue collar, lunch pailer. You know, we want a kid that 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 has you know been through some knocks and is tough and is going to come in here and and they may not necessarily be the best athlete on the field, but we're going to turn them into a a good football player. And they did a, they did a great job of that. But I think in terms of being able to recruit higher end talent, and let's say, you know, sort of the mid three star uh, on up, those players are going to have options. And when it comes to, you know, am I going to go play for, Let's you know take the helmet schools like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and USC out of it. That 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 kind of next tier down, and and so there, you know, you're, you're probably talking about like your North Carolinas, your Old Misses, um, you know, maybe some of the the, the mid level Pac-12 teams. If I've got a choice to go and play for a lunch paler program that you know I'm going to have to be incredibly tough every single day. Or I can go play for a coach that sort of has a more fun style on, on offense, and um, you know maybe a less sort of uh, you know, grind you into dust approach uh, on defense. That you know it's going to be tough to get some of your your higher end players because it just wasn't necessarily a brand that appealed to I think a lot of a lot of kids these days. And there's a really good website that we just recently discovered uh, called Ranked by Offers. Um, and that basically breaks down the number of offers that a player uh, has and, and looks at the entire recruiting class and then sort of breaks out, okay, <clears throat> how, many, how many other options did, those, did your recruits in a given year have? Um, and how does that stack up to the rest of the programs in the country? So just as an example, um, in 2016, which was a pretty good class for the Gophers, that was the year that um, Car Coughlin came in. He was a sort of a mid to higher level four-star player. We had a bumper crop of Minnesota recruits that season. We had Thomas Barber. Um, oh, what's the N's name? Um, help me out here guys the defensive end linebacker hybrid guy oh my gosh
2: The kid from burnsville um come on martin
1: yep thanks good that's it, there's nothing like a there's nothing like a podcast that's primarily about gopher football and we can't even come up with one of the starters names we're doing great
2: Group brain Um, fart, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, 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 a group brain fart. So anyway, 2016 was a pretty easy year for the Gophers because we had a bumper crop of Minnesota kids that uh, were uh, worthy of a a Power 5 offer, which doesn't happen very often. That year, uh, our class rank on rank by offers was 74th, right? So we got some good kids in, some good athletes, uh, it, but those athletes didn't necessarily have a lot of other options. Now, there's you know, obviously an asterisk next to that. Things like you know, Carter Coughlin uh, committed to the Gophers pretty early on in the process, and so probably didn't get the full range of offers he otherwise would have had, which would have moved the Gophers up that list. Nevertheless, they, they, they came in at, at, at 74 if you look at the 2018 class, so that's the one that is currently, uh, we're currently sort of building toward and the signing day is uh, two weeks from today, Minnesota is ranked 21st by ranked by offers. So even if you don't look at the specific numbers or you don't want to take that particularly seriously, I think what it absolutely states is that the guys that Fleck is getting into his program and his sort of high energy, row the bro, boat, boat, Fleckton mentality brand that he has is a lot more appealing to kids that have opportunities to go to other schools um, such that we're now recruiting at a, at a higher level. Now, what does that mean in the long run? I don't I don't know. Um, you know people often point out to the, the success that Tim Brewster had relative to what Glenn Mason was doing and certainly in the 2007 and 2008 class rankings the numbers looked a lot better but as we wrote on Still got Hope earlier this year, almost all of those players ended up not succeeding in the program so it's hard to say very much um, you know until these these guys get in here uh, and you know we get to see some of them play which we almost certainly will next season. But I think there is no question about the fact that we have elevated beyond where we have been, at least under the old staff from a recruiting perspective, and that I think bodes really well for the
0: program. I think I think that's that's a great way to look at it. And you know, one of the things I we always talked about was you know Brewster was a very good recruiter who brought in just he, he chased stars. He didn't chase any he, he didn't chase anything that would necessarily fit a scheme. I think kill staff was the exact opposite. They were going to bring kids in that fit their mold, that fit their scheme, and then coach them up. And and hopefully the the winning formula is to find a staff that can do both. Um, So, you know, we certainly have a staff right now that has built up a program through recruiting and coaching kids up. Um, We're starting to see some of the returns of how the staff can recruit um, so I, I think that that's interesting real quick I'd like to get some feedback um, I'll, I'll start with Frothy um, and then Matt you can chime in because uh, you guys are kind of the, the, the more recruiting gurus I guess out of the four of us here but just give us a real quick synopsis of what you think this early signing day means for a program specifically like Minnesota
1: yeah so from, from my end It's different, and that's good for every program that isn't a top-level recruiter. So you look at Alabama, you look at Ohio State, those programs that are consistently finishing in, say, the the top five to ten spots have a system that's figured out. They know who they're going after. Uh, Typically, just for those that don't know, signing day generally has been sort of that first week of, of February, and this is the first season that we've that has been moved to December the, the 20th. And so what I think it does is you know, you've, you've previously had these large programs that have identified who they want and there is one time to sign. And that they will keep working and working and working and working at getting the top level guy. And if it comes to signing day and they feel like they're not going to get him, they move down to the plan B and the plan C guys. Well, those plan B and plan C guys have generally been, you know, program like Minnesota's bread and butter. We're not getting the five-star guys, but we've got a chance to get, you know, some of the three and, 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 and occasionally the four-star guys. What, what the early signing period does is, you know, sort of allow us to lock up those plan B and plan C guys that maybe the top 10 or 15 programs would have, tipi- would have gone after if they lost out on one of their plan A guys fairly late in the process and allows us to have an opportunity to 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 get them. You know, I think the classic example that, that I will always remember is uh, Nate Andrews, who was a guy who had committed here um, and had been committed here for a few months, and then you know, like in the week or a week and a half before signing day, Florida State came in and offered, and he flipped to to Florida State. With the early signing period, that is, is, I think, a lot less likely to happen. Um, and so, anything that introduces uncertainty or anything that introduces change to a system that uh, the the large sort of more established recruiting schools have have gotten figured out is good for schools that like us that um, uh, you know uh, uh, put the, where our, our challenges has generally been a lot a lot greater than theirs because. Um, you know, it's going to allow us to get guys that, that might otherwise have been plan two or plan three guys for, for the, 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 the bigger recruiting schools.
0: Matt? Take yourself off mute, Matt. Well, maybe we lost Matt. It's been a couple weeks since
2: we. No, met. you didn't, my phone. Oh, man. No, I'm here. My, fo- I know. Sorry, my I thought kind we were, of did. I thought you know, my- we
0: were having our first uh, technical difficulty uh, in weeks, and I was, uh, uh, frankly, I was a little excited. But uh, I'm
2: glad. No, you heard, was, Matt. the technical difficulty was on my on my part because I couldn't get my phone to unlock, so I could get it off mute. Um, right. You know, and I I, yeah, I agree with what uh, what Frothy said. Um, it, it's. Uh, it does introduce uh, some uncertainty, which is fun, but also does, it puts an emphasis on on teams like Minnesota um, making their evaluations early, and, and, well, I mean, it does it with everybody, and, and being right. It it kind of cuts down on the margin of error in terms of, well, you know, we, we might lose this guy, but we always have time to go find this guy. Um, now, I mean, there still is that signing day uh, in February. You guys can still go out, but a lot of the – a lot of those kind of secondary or, you know, tertiary kids may be gone um, because they're already signed, um, which for a team like Minnesota is good and bad. Uh, um, But with a guy like Fleck and the way they're recruiting and they're trying to wrap it up by the 20th, um, I think it's going to end up being a strong, uh, you know, a really strong positive because they're going to know who their guys are They're only going to have, you know, in this case, they may have no spots left to fill. They may be waiting on one or two, you know, if they decide that they want to hold off and wait for a high school quarterback or keep a spot open in case, um, you know, they think there's somebody else out there. There's a position of need that they can't fill right away. Um, But I think it's exciting and it really will benefit um, that, you know, like, Oh, the teams outside of that top 10 or 15, like Frothy said. And that's what makes this exciting. It's what should make this fun. And, and I, I, think it was, I think it was Frothy on our last podcast, or somebody said it. Maybe I just read it on Sports. Maybe I dreamed it. I don't know. Somebody said that you know, if there was every year that it was kind of good for Minnesota not to make a bowl game, it was this one, because then the coaches have this time to go out and focus on recruiting and making sure these guys are locked up. And they don't have to worry about bowl prep, too. They can strictly focus on locking down these guys. And then once signing day comes in, they've got that six weeks uh, between signing the first signing day and February uh, to go out and visit 2019 kids and really get a jump on that class. And that to me is most exciting.
0: Yeah, that's important. It's important to know, I think, that it really looks like the Gophers are going to be. Uh, if not completely, very close to signing their entire class um, during this, this first uh, uh, signing day you know, on December 20th. And so, uh, as Matt mentioned, that will give the staff some leeway to use that recruiting time in January to, to really start to go after the next class. Um, so we're going to move towards basketball. But before we do that, and Jack, I'm going to give you a chance to weigh in on recruiting, too. But we've got a question from a listener uh, that is a, a pretty good segue here. So <clears throat> before we move forward, I'm going to ask Matt and uh, and uh, and Frothy uh, to answer a question, and then we'll lead into uh, Jack helping to answer that question. Uh, so Matt first and then Frothy. National rank, when it's all said and done, once we get past – signing the 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 second signing day in february where do you think the gophers class will rank nationally
2: um well i guess we'll use let's use the 24 7 composite because i think that's the the most accurate because it combines everything and uh I, i'm going to say they're going to be this is unbelievable. We're losing
0: yeah. Matt right when we need a number out
2: of 30 to 35. 30 to 35. You got okay. me? Okay, got you. Frothy? <laughs> yeah, I'd say
0: 30 to
1: 35 as well.
0: Okay. So the question from listener who goes by all announcers suck was higher number at the end of the year, gopher football recruiting class rank or gopher's three-point percentage? So – Thirty to thirty-five is the rank that Matt and Farati have come up with for the recruiting class. West Coast Jack, we're going to lead into basketball by asking you: at the end of the of the regular season for Gopher men's basketball, will their three-point percentage be higher or lower, or in the range of that thirty to thirty-five uh, rank for the football recruiting class?
3: Yeah, so this is a fantastic spread because I'd say 35% probably hits it pretty close to right on the head, but um, we're off to sort of a head start. I think we're shooting upper 30s so far from three this year, and um, last night notwithstanding, I think with our pretty dominant front court, we can space the floor pretty well do a little bit of three-point shooting by committee with, with all three of our starting guards, and I'm, I'm going to say over on that one.
0: All right. Nice. So so th- I think that's it. And I guess I don't know for sure where that 30 to 35 would really rank us compared to previous gopher classes. I think it's going to definitely be better than most recruiting classes. I think um, based on what we've seen over the last couple years from basketball, that's probably a little better than we've seen uh, from a, a three-point percentage standpoint. So let's go ahead and make the transition all the way into uh, the ba- into Gopher men's basketball. Um, obviously, as you're hearing this, uh, it will have now been two nights ago, but uh, Gopher basketball loses this week at Nebraska. I believe, uh, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the Gophers are winless uh, as a basketball team in Nebraska. Is that correct?
3: um in in that arena for sure they are and under patino in nebraska for sure they are gotcha. all time i i don't think so although i'm not positive i haven't checked the archives
0: I, that may be that may be what i heard but uh so so the gophers lose a, a game to nebraska which uh they, they really should not have lost um that's a that's a team that that they should that they should beat um and and definitely a a disappointing game for the gophers i think that there were a couple of reasons and admittedly i was not able to watch the game due to some other obligations but um, i was trying to follow along a little bit on twitter but jack give us just a a rundown of what happened against nebraska
3: yeah definitely so i'm gonna preface with this It's hard for college basketball teams, even good ones, to come in night in and night out and play their best, and much more so than college football, upsets happen. So even tonight, Florida, who's five in the country, lost at home to Loyola, Chicago. And I'm sort of following this Washington-Kansas game right now. Kansas is number two in the country playing at home and down eight to Washington in the second half. You go back to yesterday, two ranked teams higher than us lost on the same day. And so uh, in terms of my freakout level to start with, I guess it, it, it's pretty low because we sort of just laid a turd of a game and even top teams do it. So one loss on the road doesn't concern me too much. But w- w- with that said, I think it was a combination of a few things. We, we came out flatter than flat. We had played a game 48 hours earlier and it showed we were playing the you know, the team that's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, and you could almost see from the start that our players knew that and thought they were going to be able to turn it on at any time and sort of just out-athlete the other team. I think the way that the game was being called early on, you know regardless of if you thought it was slanted towards nebraska towards minnesota or whatever but letting a lot of stuff go on drives and physical contact underneath the basket i don't think our players were very prepared for that and i don't think they responded as well as nebraska so nebraska really used the physicality to to take us out of our game early and then frustration sort of set in and we turned to oh, the refs aren't making these calls or, oh, we're missing shots. And it was one of those games where where things kind of snowballed. The the concerning thing to me was coming out of the locker room just as flat to start the second half and, and frankly never even making a serious run at the game. But I think it was just one of those where you're not in the mental place, you know, you're not in the right mental place headed in. Things go against you to start. And it's really hard to turn that tide on the road in the Big Ten.
0: Frothy, I know you uh, took an opportunity to watch the game last night. Um, I believe you posted a link to Kermit the Frog's uh, version of "Hurt" uh, by Nine Inch Nails, so uh, it seemed that you maybe didn't enjoy the game very much. Um, give us a couple thoughts on, on uh, Gopher basketball right now. I hate the
1: early December conference games. I'm just going to go on record with that. And I felt that way even before we played Butkers on, on, uh, on Sunday. It, 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 it takes like Jake's pointing out, like good teams lose early in the season because they haven't really started to, to gel yet. And the, the whole point of, you know, the college basketball season is, is not to peak in December. Um, it's, it's to peak in February and in, in March and so by putting conference games this early in the year where traditionally you're playing non-conference games, and they may be tough non-conference games, you know, Miami is no pushover, Alabama was no pushover, Arkansas isn't going to be a pushover this weekend, um, they don't have a great deal of consequence in the grand scheme of things. It's all sort of aiming toward building a resume that is going to help your seeding in the NCAA tournament, hopefully. But when you start to lose conference games, you know, it has an effect in Michigan, um, Michigan State, you know, certainly got tested against Rutgers yesterday, and they're the odds-on favorite to win the conference. So losing this game at Nebraska is not was not really kind of factored into the grand scheme of the Gophers' overall season. So uh, we played like ass. There's absolutely no defending what happened. I'm not trying to make excuses for the team. It's just frustrating to lose a game that. Maybe if we play this game in January or February, there's a different dynamic because the team is just clicking on more cylinders. They are right now. Our freshmen, um, you know, have uh, Isaiah Washington particularly has a little bit more time to get seasoned to the the college game. Um, you know, maybe maybe Fitzgerald isn't as hopelessly lost as he appeared to be yesterday. You know, and that applies to Nebraska too. And they they played a good game, and we played like crap. But um, yeah, I'm happy that it's over. The Kermit the Frog version of Nine Inch Nails was a uh, was sort of a perfect summation of uh, how I felt when I went to bed last night.
0: So uh, I've seen a bit about this, and and obviously I know that typically the the conference season for the Big Ten I don't know about other conferences, but for the Big Ten doesn't typically start until right around the first of the year. We get through kind of this entire two months or six weeks or whatever it is of non-conference games, and then we go into the conference season. So help me, and i will we'll start with Jack. Help me understand why this is a big deal. I, I look at the schedule and I go, okay, they played eight games before they faced Rutgers and Nebraska. Isn't that enough to get warmed up for the conference season? Help, help me understand why this is a, a shift that doesn't make sense from the conference.
3: Yeah, what's what's frustrating is eight games should have been enough to uh, warm up for Rutgers and Nebraska to start the conference season. Uh, yet here we are sitting at one and one in, in league play. Um, I think, look, I think it does take teams, especially freshmen on those teams to uh, front these point. Time to gel, particularly on the defensive end. And if you listen to our players and our coaches interviews from from both losses, but especially last night, they harp on sort of pick and roll defense, pick and roll defense. We're getting exposed there right now. And it's just a matter of um, getting to the college game and needing to play screens very differently on defense than how you were playing them in high school. Basically, if you're the best high school player on the court, uh, you can kind of switch any screen you want. You can defend anyone else that's out there. You don't have to, you know, fight through every pick. Um, you get to the college level, if you're, you know, Isaiah Washington, and you get a little bit lazy on defense, all of a sudden Reggie Lynch is covering the opposing point guard, and you have a seven footer posting you up and then posterizing you so little things like that that's an that's an on-ball thing there are a lot of sort of defensive rotation principles too that have been less than solid early on and so ideally a team has you know time to work on on that in the non-conference and then to the extent they play difficult non-conference games they're sort of resume opportunities that don't affect you in league play like in at alab or like a neutral court against alabama or miami at home or at providence um that being said look like our defensive stats overall still look pretty good when you look at us compared to the rest of the country so i don't think there's anything to be pulling our hair out over or, or freaking out about but i think it would be nice to have another month to figure out some of these things before you uh get into the type of play where the you know every game counts for the standings right
0: All right, so speaking of another month, we've got a tough game this Saturday against Arkansas. Following that, um, we've got four games that, at least as as much as I know about college basketball and the lower levels, these are games that we should win. So five games, five non-conference games before we get into... The meat of of the uh, the Big Ten schedule. We kick off the Big Ten schedule with Illinois on January third. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, these games coming up. Uh, Arkansas obviously is, is going to be a tough game, but do we do these? Does this next do these next five games give those freshmen an opportunity to learn some of that? Does it give us the opportunity to work on some of these things before we get into the conference season? And then ultimately, what do you think the season looks like uh, as as we head into the Big Ten? We'll we'll start off with Jack.
3: Yeah, definitely. So I think this next set of five games is sort of the perfect stretch headed into the conference season. Um, Not so much at Arkansas, because that's going to be a real tough game. Uh, They're a solid team. They have veteran guards, I think they start three seniors at at the one through three spots. So that'll be more of another sort of uh, up and down, really strong test for our starting five. But after that, you have sort of four games in a row. They're all at home and they're against teams. To your point, we definitely should beat and should beat fairly easily. At the same time, um, Drake and Harvard, two of those games, at least those teams have a pulse more so than any of the home games we've we've really had to date outside of of Miami and Rutgers and so it's a good mix of this is you know these are two teams in Drake and Harvard that we should beat and should win going away, you know, similar to like a Rutgers last week. But they won't be 40-point beatdowns where you're just throwing in the walk-ons with eight minutes to go. And, you know, it's it's kind of such a shellacking that you can't even learn anything. So, you know, the goal of those last four games after Arkansas would be, uh, in my mind, figure out the rotations a little bit more. They've been inconsistent, you know, the substitution patterns. Jameer Harris, you know, getting 12, 15 minutes one night and not getting off the bench until 40 seconds to go the next game. And some of this is matchup dependent too, but you want people to feel comfortable in their roles off the bench. And then starting to get some of that defensive team principle uh, figured out as we sort of turn the calendar into the new year.
0: Awesome. Uh, Frothy, what what are your thoughts heading into the – the, as we head towards the Big Ten season, yeah. If you want me to have anything
1: to say about basketball, you're going to have to let me go before Jake, so I don't look like a complete ass clown in the future. Because uh, I think he he covered uh, like the three sentences that I was going to be able to throw together, and then uh, added about five more minutes of content. I just want to point out that Wisconsin lost again tonight to Temple, and they're now sitting at four and six. Um, I think we that 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 that's the the value that I'll bring to to, to this conversation.
0: Wow. I
2: love it. Hey, uh, Matt O'Connell, uh, what do you have to say about Gopher basketball? Um, I have to. What I have to say about Gopher basketball is that, um, according to Ryan Burns, um, the Gophers are getting a visit this weekend from a six foot nine, four hundred pound offensive tackle with offers from Alabama, among others. Uh, so that's that's my contribution to the basketball talk. Is holy crap, that dude's big.
0: That's an bass kick, bass kicks ass.
1: Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Falele. He actually—it uh, wasn't more than a month ago, I think—that he actually took an official visit to Alabama. Um, so that that offer that he has from Bama is legit. And uh, yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be visiting this weekend. That's great news. That's a
0: that is that is. I can't even fathom how big of a human being that is. I'm I'm a short but not small person. This gentleman is a full foot and 130 pounds larger than me, and I. I weep for his future spouse, whoever. That and is.
2: looking, at, and am I on? Am I looking at pictures of him? He, he does not look. I mean, he looks six foot nine, but he does not look four. I mean, he's big, but he's not what you would imagine four hundred <clears throat> pounds looks like. Ah, uh, boy! If they can nail down this kid, uh, the ba- the future of the basketball team looks good. Yeah. That's really my only basketball contribution, yeah. other than West Coast Jack, West Coast Jack. Uh, I'm glad we have you, and sorry, Frothy. Uh, you're no longer my go-to basketball expert.
1: God, yeah, I know. I, uh, it, this is what it, this is what it's like. I've just been Wally pipped.
0: <laughs> well, I think uh, I. You know, there was another. I threw out literally like as we were starting to record the podcast uh, on Twitter. I threw out um, if anybody had any questions. We did get the question about uh, three-point percentage versus uh, recruiting ranking. Uh, Ben Dawson, who's, I mean, everybody knows who he is, uh, said, what football game next year is going to break my heart the most? Does go for football really want to hurt me? Does it really want to make me cry? Uh, and I, I think, I think we've had enough to hurt us recently. I don't think we need to look ahead to hurt. Um, uh, unless we want to talk about uh, Matthew hurt on the basketball side. See what I did there? Um, but, uh, I like it. But, uh, no, I don't think we need to talk about next football season quite yet. Let's focus on, on, the, uh, on the pain that we have uh, directly in front of us right now. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we, we call it a wrap on this one. Uh, I want to specifically uh, say a big thank you to West Coast Jack for joining us. Um, I, we have not confirmed this uh, in any other conversations, but this will not be the last time. He's on. In fact, if we're going to talk about basketball at all, uh, we're going to need this guy. Um, I also know that we have talked a little bit about wanting to uh, talk about uh, Timberwolves basketball. Jack, I don't know if you follow the NBA quite as closely as you follow college basketball. But I know uh, Trevor uh, Traytanik on uh, Twitter uh, is a huge Timberwolves fan. So we'll definitely have him on as we get into uh, looking at some offseason content. On the Taken All Wrong podcast, basketball will certainly be a part of that. Um, and then certainly once we get starting uh, looking at spring football, uh, we'll, we'll try to keep things going. So uh, with that, unless uh, anybody has anything that they didn't get to talk about so far tonight, I think we'll sign off. Anybody uh, one last chance here? All right. Our silence is golden. With that, I will go ahead and sign us off for Jeffrick. And his uh, sick kids, uh, hopefully they're on the mend. Uh, For Matt O'Connell, for Frothy Gopher, and for West Coast Jack, we say go Gophers and stay classy.